0: And we have got a full house here this morning. This is awesome. Yeah, you guys pumped up? Right, raise your hand if you're alive, okay? Yeah, we're all together. We're unified. <laughs> well, I want to welcome everyone online, everyone here this morning as well. And, you know, just talking about that student ministry retreat, that, that's awesome, isn't it? And so we're actually, as we get started today, it's kind of interesting, we're going to play a game that I used to play all the time in youth ministry, okay? That's what we're going to do, a little youth ministry game. I've used it in the adult service, I think, once before, but I used to use it all the time in youth ministry, many, many moons ago when I worked with students. Okay, it's called, Would You Rather? Would You Rather? You see, if you work with teenagers like I did years ago, you're always trying to come up with ways to get them to talk to one another. And this little game, it's, it's just a simple statement, kind of a balanced statement. Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? Like, it's easy to play. Everyone can answer. And when a student answers, I find out about their decision-making process, right? I, I find out about their morals, their ethics, their values. I find out what kind of parents you guys are. Like, <laughs> really good stuff. Yeah. So let's get started in this sermon today by playing this little example <laughs> Would you rather, you ready? And I'll just make up some stuff. First of all, how about this one? Would you rather eat Mexican food or Chinese food? Okay, Mexican food, people, raise your hands up high. All right, all my fellow Chinese food people, raise your hands, good, Shanghai Express. I'm there anytime, just saying, just saying. All right, here's one people love, always gets people talking, I enjoy this one. Would you rather be rich? Some of you are like, Now, w- wait wait a second, okay? Would you rather be rich or would you rather be good-looking and famous? I'm going to stack it on this side a little bit, okay? How many are going to go for rich? Raise your hands. All right, how many are going to go for good-looking and famous? <laughs> okay, some of you are like, hey, I'm already there, so, you know, yeah, right. I get that. So, anyhow... Uh, <laughs> If you had to, would you rather eat, um, let's see, frog legs or liver and onions? How many, how many for frog legs? Okay. How many are going liver and onions? <laughs> how many of you actually like liver and onions? Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. One more. You're going on vacation. All right. Would you rather go to the beach or to the mountains? How many beach people here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, how many mountain people? All right, there we, there we go. I'm pretty pretty even on that one. You know, <laughs> it's so interesting. When you let the students, the youth come up with some of the questions, like girls are good at this, okay? Girls, they come up with equally balanced questions. Boys not so much, okay? <laughs> Boys are terrible. Like I, I, yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> clearly parents of boys, uh, they come up with questions like, would you rather eat ice cream or burn to death in a fire? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> True questions. really came out. All right. See, girls create the questions to converse, right? Boys create the questions to win. <laughs> which is why men will never understand women. No no, 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 chance, okay? But anyway, this whole would-you-rather concept, people, it's not a new thing. It's actually been around since the beginning of humanity when God gave Adam and Eve the ultimate would-you-rather. Would-you-rather. And like we talked about last week, God is still saying us to, to us today, would-you-rather just live status quo? Same old, same old. Would you rather live like everyone around you in the world, or would you rather live the incredible adventure of following Jesus? You know, God has a preferred answer to that question, but in His love for us, He gives us a choice. And so we all sit here today with the freedom to choose. And the first choice is this, what are you going to do with Jesus? Trust Him or not? You can either choose to believe that Jesus is a liar, a fake, who claimed to be God and people have followed Him ignorantly for 2,000 years, or you can choose to believe that Jesus was who He said He was, the Son of God, who came to this earth, lived the perfect life we couldn't live, and then died on a cross to pay for our sins. That's the first choice. Will you choose to believe in Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life? And that determines your eternal destiny. Now, the next choice, the one we're talking about in this series, is this. Will you choose to sell out and follow Jesus? Will you make that decision? And that's actually an ongoing process. It's not a one time deal. And because of that, it's easy to consistently feel like you're not measuring up. I feel that way all the time. I mean, Christ's calling is high, and none of us are perfect. And that can lead to feelings of guilt, feelings of inadequacy, pressure like pressure from others, pressure even from ourselves to to perform. You know, as a pastor, I'm in the spotlight. And I often feel like I ought to be more Christ-like than I am. I ought to be deeper. I ought to be more spiritual. I ought to have greater faith. There's this pressure I feel like I'm not good enough, not good enough for God, not good enough for others, not even good enough for myself. And if that pressure begins to consume me, it results in me becoming a performer. Okay? Okay. That's how I feel at times. But enough about me. Let's, let's go on to you. I like that a lot better, okay? How about you? Do you ever feel the pressure to perform? Do you ever feel the pressure to pretend to be somebody that you're really not? Like when you're around friends, you act like you've got it more together than you really do? You ever feel the pressure to kind of talk like you a better game than, than you're really living out? Or do you ever do this in small group? When someone reads a passage of Scripture, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, one of my favorites. I love that parable, right? Or I see this a lot. A lot of times Christians will be involved in and enjoy certain things of of the world, you know, whether it's music, movies, sports, video games, whatever. But then when they get around certain other Christians and they, they pretend not to enjoy that stuff, like that's pretty common behavior. And basically what we're saying is if we can't follow Jesus in a real authentic way, we'll fake it. We'll kind of act it out. We'll hide our flaws. We'll hide our fears to try and impress others. We'll put on the disguise. See, disguises are easy and safe. But being real, it takes courage, it takes risk. So I put in your notes a couple of questions that I want you to wrestle with this morning and this week. The first one is this: In what situations do you feel the pressure to pretend to be more spiritual than you really are? This is a big question. We're going to come back to this. In what situations do you feel the pressure to pretend to be more spiritual than you really are? You know, last week we talked about how in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenged us to be radically different. And let's review real quick. This is Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus talking. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, I want you to circle good deeds there. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, remember last week, we talked about how salt is sensed and light is seen. So if you're following Jesus, then God should be sensed and seen in your life as you interact with the world around you. But then just a couple of verses later in Matthew 6, 1, you see that same phrase again from Jesus' lips, good deeds, but it seems contradictory. He says, watch out, don't do your good deeds, circle it again there, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Anybody catch that? Like in the salt and light passage, we're supposed to do our good deeds so that other people will see those good deeds and go, wow, God must be behind that. But now all of a sudden, he's saying, well, no, when you do your good deeds, do them in private. Just between you and God, and that way you won't lose your reward. So you need to ask, what's the difference? Well, I'll tell you. In the salt and light passage, that little term, good deeds, is literally good works. It's the Greek word ergo. We get our term ergonomics from this. You do good works, outward actions, and by doing that, you become a shining testimony to those who see them. But over in Matthew 6, 1, there's actually a different term in the original language. There's a different meaning for good deeds. It literally means acts of righteousness. And those are to be done before God. See, there are certain things that you and I are to do with God and before God. They're not to be on display. It's not about putting them out to a wider audience. They're acts of righteousness before God. Now, the ugly temptation in all this relates to performance. Like a lot of followers of Jesus, we want to put those acts of righteousness out to impress others with our spiritual depth. But if you and I do that, Jesus is really, really clear. You have lost your reward. So there's a would you rather question here, isn't there? Would you rather be rewarded by the applause and approval of men? Or would you rather be rewarded by the applause and approval of God? Like one is finite, limited, the other is infinite. It seems like a no-brainer, but again, we have a choice. And Jesus says, if you show off your acts of righteousness to impress other people, and you're going, hey, look at me, check me out, aren't I spiritual? You lose your reward. Why? Because it becomes impure as soon as it's put on display. That's kind of the way of the world. Now, what I love about Jesus is he always gets really practical. So he says, let me give you some illustrations of what I mean by this. And he gives us three of them in Matthew 6. First, Jesus says, when you give, give without attention. When you give, give without attention. Some people give money, gifts of charity, so that other people will go, whoa, did you see what she gave? They do it for other people's approval. But here's what Jesus says. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, Jesus seems to be painting kind of an extreme illustration here. Like when people give a gift, uh, are they going to blow a trumpet? Really? It sounds extreme, but it actually happened in that culture. And I know some of you, you give faithfully, you give generously, but can you imagine hiring a marching band to accompany you here to church, right? While you give your gift. I mean, that would be it. That would be all the reward you would get. Jesus says giving to the needy should be a private act just between you and God. So When you give, give without attention. And then he says, when you pray, pray without performance. Okay, this this is a great one. You know, I've been in certain prayer settings where sometimes when someone is praying, it it seems like they're auditioning to be the next Jesus Junior or something. Right? You ever seen that? Uh, Let's just look at what Jesus says here. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. See, your prayer is just to be a conversation between you and God. That's it. You know, it's not to be evaluated or graded like a contest or a speech. You know, you don't even have to be articulate, because God knows your heart before your words even leave your lips. He knows, and I know a lot of people, and maybe you're one of them, who don't want to join a Bible study or they don't want to join a small group because they're afraid that someone's going to ask them to pray out loud. Okay, right? And you have this fear that you're going to begin praying, and the small group leader is going to interrupt and say, "Hey, can someone else step in here?" You know, Kyle, would you take over that? Because whatever that was, that, that was not cutting it. Okay. No. People, prayer is not a performance. It's a conversation in a relationship. Can you talk with other people? Good. You can talk with God. Like nobody's evaluating or judging your prayers. If they are, guess whose problem that is? Like it's their heart problem. When you pray, pray without performance. Third thing Jesus says, when you fast, fast without recognition. See, I think you're starting to get the essence of what Jesus is saying here. These are to be these private acts of righteousness that you do before God. And the message of fasting, it's the same as the message of giving, same as the message of praying. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, but they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, if you don't know exactly what fasting is, fasting is simply going without food, setting aside food or certain types of food for a specific amount of time. And it can be for half a day, a day, two days, or whatever. And you set aside food, and instead of taking that time to eat, you take that time to focus on God. And whether it's giving or praying or fasting, Jesus says, don't bring attention to it. Don't talk about it. Don't brag about it. You know, I've been around a few amusing Christians who subtly like to talk about their fasting, like it enhances their spirituality. You know, they'll say, well, would you pray for me because I'm fasting, I'm just going to sit at Burger King with you here and watch you eat your Whopper, just have a little cup of cold water because I'm fasting. I know I look thinner. I'm not dieting. I'm fasting. It's like, okay. Like, Don't act religious to get recognition from others. Jesus says fasting, that's to be done between you and God. It's a private act between you and God. And hear me on this. All three of these, giving, praying, fasting, those can enhance your spiritual maturity. They are awesome spiritual disciplines. But the key to it all, the key to following Jesus, it comes back to your motive. Are you motivated in doing all this to please God or to get recognized by other people? It really comes down to this question, who is my audience? You know, Your audience will impact your choices. For me, whenever I find myself really seeking the approval of other people, it's usually because I've forgotten how deeply God cares about me. And when I forget how much God cares about me, I start caring about what other people think of me. And when I start caring about what other people think about me, then I start performing. I act different. I put on a disguise. I'm not myself. I'm guessing you can relate to this. And it all begins, people, when you forget how much God cares about you. That's why Jesus said this, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? God cares deeply for you. Well, that may be the only reason that you're here today, just to hear that one simple truth. God cares deeply for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for every one of us. Let that soak in. You know, i found that most people, they come to Jesus or they come to follow Jesus through the painful process of elimination, like they've tried everything else and it just doesn't work. And I would encourage you, avoid that whole painful process and just start following Jesus because He cares about you. He's with you. He'll see you through this. He cares more deeply about you than you can ever imagine. You know, last week we talked about this little equation Desire plus decision equals devotion. And everything starts with desire. You desire something different, and then you add to desire a decision that supports that desire, and the end result is you're devoted. You're devoted to something. So let's look at the same formula today, and here's the desire. Do I want to be real, or do I want to play the part? Let me say that again. Do you want to be real, or do you just want to play the part? I thought about saying, do you want to be real or do you want to be religious? Because if you know your Bible, you know that Jesus was often ticked off at the religious leaders of his day because they were fake, they were phony, they were hypocrites, they were actors. And hear me on this, we too can kind of fall into that place where we are playing the part of being devoted to Jesus. We can even deceive ourselves into believing that we're committed to following Jesus, but we're just going through the motions. It's easy to do that. After all, we fake it in other areas of our lives, so why wouldn't that slip into our spiritual life as well? I mean, we can pretend in the business world. We can pretend in social circles. We pretend in school. It's easy to pretend. You know, years ago, I had to come to grips with an area of my life where I was pretending, all right? I'm just going to put this out there for you. I was pretending to be a legitimate kayaker, okay? Yeah, that was my problem. And let me back up. I'll explain it to you. For years and years, people were pestering Wendy and I saying, you've got to try kayaking. You've got to get into kayaking. It's awesome. It's like what middle-aged people do. I was a little offended by that phrase, (laughs) middle-aged people. So anyhow, so we we eventually we cave in. We go kayaking with some good friends. I see them back here, Craig and Kathleen Davidson. They took us out kayaking, and I got started. Man, I was just like, "Wow, I am so good at this. I'm awesome. I'm the man!" Right? Well, it turns out I was in a two-seater kayak, and Craig behind me, like he was the one making it happen. But I had no idea. I'm like, "This is awesome!" So I go out. I buy this nice kayak and get all the gear right. I got the straps for the car, the light. Jackets, the paddles, the gloves—I mean, we look like real kayakers, and, and so we had this little group together. We decided we're going to start a meetup group. You know, meetup groups. Okay, we decided to start a meetup group Georgetown for kayaking. Okay, and for some reason, because my name was on it, we went out there and and one time, like one of the first times I'm out there, I got put in charge of leading this group of big time kayakers. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing, and we were going from Cedar Breaks Park to the waterfall on Lake Georgetown. Now, Craig, if you know him, he is a legit kayaker, okay? And he knew I was a poser, but being a nice guy, he just didn't say anything, okay? And I'll just be honest. I'm looking back. I am terrible at kayaking. I I put the B in beginner. I'm lame at kayaking. Like, there's a certain way you're supposed to put your paddle in the water, and and I couldn't ever quite... Nope, Brian, that's backwards. Every time, nope, you got to flip that around. And you would think it would be easy. It's easy to splash around, just whatever, But to do it right, and you kayakers know this, you're supposed to push, right, Craig? You push with the opposite hand. You don't pull with a hand that's holding the oar down here. I can never get that down. And so so here I am, all right? I'm out there, and I'm in charge of leading this group of big-time kayakers, and I am totally faking it. And if you know me, I'm directionally challenged, all right? (laughs) Did not help. And so Wendy's over there trying not to see She's going like this, like, what is going on here? She's not saying anything. So I said, okay, guys, follow me. We'll get to the waterfall in 20 minutes. An hour later, okay, we arrived at that waterfall. I heard one guy murmur under his breath. That was the longest 20 minutes of my life. But yeah, And actually, about halfway through, I'm praying. I'm sweating, going, oh, dear Lord, please. Every turn looked the same. I thought it was lost. So here's my point. As a kayaker, I was just playing the part, all right? It's easy to play the part. Fortunately, I ended up with neck problems and back problems. We got to sell the kayak, so I'm good now. (laughs) I'm no longer a faker. But I say all that to to say you can play the part. You play the part. I guarantee you, think about your areas of your life. There's times when you played the part. I play the part. Some of you, you play the part in the workplace. You're a successful businessman, successful businesswoman, but you know in your heart you're just one bad decision away from being another failure. It's easy to play the part. Just admit it. Okay, you play the part of being a shopper at Costco, but you're only there to get the free samples, right? I get it. Yeah. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't pretend in your spirit. Don't play the part. You know why? Because you don't have to. I want you to be who I created you to be because I like the real you. And if you'll walk with me, Then I will transform you from the inside out. I'll make you a genuine follower. But it all starts with desire. Is your desire to be real or to play the part? Now, your answer impacts your decision because your decision here is this Am I willing to make Jesus my audience of one? That's the decision you've got to make. Am I willing to make Jesus my audience of one? Now, your answer to that will impact your subsequent decisions. Jesus once said, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So that's the decision here. Today, who am I going to live for? The crown or Jesus. And when you take a desire to be real and you add to it the decision to make Jesus your audience of one, it results in devotion to be genuinely different and follow the amazing Jesus. Not fake different, not weird different, not religious different, transformed different. Different's attractive, different is motivating, different is compelling, and different is amazing. That's why the people around Jesus they were always amazed. You know the Sermon on the Mount ends with this when Jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus was amazing. People knew it. And so the choice we have today is this do we follow the amazing Jesus or do we follow our own way? Back to the first question. In your notes. In what situations do you feel the pressure to pretend to be more spiritual than you really are? You know, that question was actually tossed out to Christians on a Facebook post. And I wanna read you one guy's response that you can probably relate to here. A guy named Robin wrote this. He said, In the beginning of being in a small group, I just kind of faked it, I didn't really share my inner feelings. I wished I prayed all the time. I wished I gave everything up to God like everyone else in the small group seemed to do. But then one day I decided to stop faking it. I came forward and I shared. I put myself out there. And I was amazed at what I found out. He says, I had company in my fears. I had company in my faults. I had company in my failures. When I stopped pretending and became real, I discovered I wasn't alone. Yeah, Robin, you're not alone. And when you walk with Jesus, when you follow Jesus, you know, you're walking hand in hand with the one who is amazing. And you are safe. Not safe like comfortable, but you're safe to be yourself. And that's the one last truth I want to leave you with today. As a follower of Jesus... You're safe to be yourself. You can be real. You can be who God created you to be. You don't have to pretend. You're safe to be yourself. Let's pray. Lord, that's the first thing we just have to acknowledge, that you love us for who we are. You love us just as we are. You invite us to come and follow you with all of our faults, all of our fears, all of our failures. But you don't want us to pretend. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to perform. We just got to be real. And we got to want it. And my prayer today for all of us here is that we would say, I don't want status quo. I don't want to live like the rest of the world around me. I want to be different. I want to follow the amazing Jesus. I want to live for an audience of one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, have a fantastic week in the Lord.